Praise the Lord. Well, I'm excited to carry on our our little series that we have started here called the book of James. We've never really taught through in two years, haven't taught through a book, but we thought, um, me personally, it's probably one of the most incredible books that it, it wrecks my world every time I read it. And I've read through it, I don't know, maybe a hundred times or more in 34 years. And every time I, I can't help but face the fact that a younger brother of Jesus himself had to come to a saving faith of his older brother. He had to come to recognize his, he was and is the son of God. And so he had to come to that place just like all of us. And in this room and online, I know many people are battling with the fact of is Jesus who he says he is? Is he as good as he says he is? Will he do what he says he will do? But he started off with talking about trials. And he, you know, last week we looked at consider it joy when you face trials. And then he goes into temptation and many of us want to blame other people for our problem. Like, well, if, it, what, if I wasn't with this person. And then he transitioned into listening. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And so that's a kind of a synopsis of what and he went on to say. Don't be hearers only, but be doers of the word. We ended with pure and undefiled religion before God. And that's what we're after. Pure and undefiled is looking after widows and orphans, those who can't help themselves. We're to do that. And then it says to keep oneself abstained, to, to, to keep from being tainted by the, the thoughts, the actions, the opinions of those things around us that can get in us and it can actually cause us to function that. Whether it can be fear, it can be any number of things. So James continues this theme. It opens up, my brothers and sisters. James chapter 2, verse 1. If you got your Bibles, you can open them there or your Bible app on your phone. It says, my brothers and sisters. I love how James, my brothers and sisters. James recognized that we're a fellowship of believers. He refers to them as not you people. Hey, guys. He uses an endearing term that says family. My brothers and sisters. Believers in our glorious. Look how he describes his older brother now. In John chapter 7, 5, he ain't even sure he's the one. Here he is writing a letter to the churches. And he says, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Can you catch that? He's, he's, he went from, eh, he's good, to glorious. Must not show believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Must not show, that, y'all see that one as I see, favoritism. So this morning, I want to look at this thing of favoritism. And this became real to me. Early on in my walk with the Lord, before I even really knew much, I mean, like before I even knew, could memorize my first Bible verse. This came to me as a young man, two weeks probably saved in the Lord. But I was, I was riding on Highway 17, coming from Darien. And if you know the road, I'm coming over the Altamont River, the big bridge, and I'm cruising. And, and as I'm going, I get to the crest of this bridge and I hear very vividly and very clearly if you let me, I'll pick your friends. It got so real to me that I had to pull off the road. So I pull off the side of the road and I sit there. It was so, it wasn't a quote audible, but it was so real to me. I had to pull over because I'm like, what 
was that? I'd never experienced this voice talking to me, like verbally communicating, if you let me, I'll pick your friends. And I'm like, what? So I sat there, and then this other word from the Lord came. I didn't know it was a word from the Lord. I just knew something had impressed me real hard and I could not get away. I couldn't shake it. I couldn't turn the stereo up loud enough. The wind couldn't blow hard enough. I remember the second part of it was, and they won't be the ones you choose. That was my introduction into favoritism. It it shook my world. James wrote about this in 63 AD, somewhere there when he wrote this letter. It's still very prevalent in the church today. It is still a problem because if it didn't, you wouldn't need to address it. And so this morning, I want to look at it just a little bit because every one of us, me, you, even when you're this high, we can get caught up in the external things and we begin to look around and we begin to, without even consciously being aware of it many times, we can be We can show a lot of favoritism or partiality. We do it in sports. We do it in politics. We do it in our family. Come on now. I'm going to go ahead and step on some toes right off the bat. It's amazing how sometimes we can get locked up into positions and how we can get locked up into us and ours and me and mine and get so blinded and so deaf to the to the things and the the people around us if we're not careful and james is addressing this very thing and i want to address it because i believe that we've done well but i think there's still more we have just begun i believe that god wants to impact this city in such a powerful way that it's not just it, it can happen in by us doing what we're supposed to in honoring the lord in the first verse there when it says My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Can I challenge us this morning that as we're looking at this thing of favoritism, we cannot help but do what James did. The very first thing he acknowledged was the glorious Lord Jesus. And we've got to, as a church, as an individual, and as a group of people, we've got to acknowledge that there's no one more glorious, there's no one more incredible, there's no one more gracious, more merciful, more loving, more kind than Jesus Christ himself. Can anybody say amen to that this morning? Because if we get lost in that fact, what happens is we're just destined to look this way. And that's where we mess up because we begin, well, kind of, well, you, you know what people, well, We'll use favoritism. We'll we'll use anything we can to gain favor. Like we'll use height. We'll use hair. I I always used to promote myself like, oh, oh, you want to do it that way. Okay, let's go get on a basketball court or something. Let me make you look silly for just a moment. You come try to block something. I'll just shoot some way over your eyes. She's like, what just happened? I'm like, yeah, oh. Or try to out. Hey, let's run. I would try to, I would try to, Prove myself through that. And many of us try to too because we don't feel settled and secure in who we are. And so then we try to promote ourselves through outward external appearances. And if we're not careful, we lose sight of even in the church. What churches will do it. Churches will do it that this church is the only church and there's no other church like this church. And I want to tell you, there's some incredible churches in this city. 
And I'm blessed to be connected with the pastors. And I'm so thankful that we're a part of the capital C body of Christ. But God's given us the ability to do here. And I want to tell you, if you ever hear somebody trash or do them, do me a favor and say, look, love, pray for that. Pray for that church. We love everybody. We're thankful for that. We've got to be careful. We don't use external things to try to promote our own bias, our own things. And, and James does that so beautifully starting in verse 2, and he actually talks about church right here. 2 through 5, he says, I mean, 2 through 4, he says this. Suppose a man, and meaning it could be a man or woman, comes into your meeting, your church. They They come in here. We're sitting here, and we're joining the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring. Bling, bling, y'all. Watch out. Fine clothes. And a poor man... Then filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand over there. No, 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 no. What do you think you're doing? You get over there. Or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? But think about it. We pick, even in church, who we're going to say hey to. And, and how we do it. Because you might go up to somebody and say, hey, amen. And the other one, you go, hey, how you doing, man? So good to see you. I want to challenge us in the way, even in this trying time of, of physical distancing, we can still do very well. So if, if we look at this and we realize that, hey, God wants to do so much more in us and we don't want to be men pleasers. We don't want to simply go and say, oh, I like you, but I'm not so sure about you. And your dress, man, he specifically now, granted, he says, suppose. Like, I want to give you an example, one example, but there's many examples. He used an example of clothing and, and, and dress and attire, but there's other things too. Like, like if somebody walks in, come on, y'all, in the church, it's, it's gotten a little better. They come in with a tattoo, watch out. They got tats. Oh my God. I don't care if you got a t- you can put a tattoo on your face. I've had people do it. It's not going to change the way I love you. It's not going to change anything. It's like, hey, wow, that must have hurt. <laughs> and you can't get rid of it. Oh, well, praise God. That's one you're going to have to walk out the rest of your days. Praise the Lord. It's a thing where we have to be mindful of the fact here that we've got to be open and welcoming to receive people not based on their clothing. I think if I could could say one thing, it's important for us as we move forward as a body of believers, if we want to grow the body of Christ, not for numbers sake. I have never been, the thing I appreciate about our, our founding pastor, our pastor mayors, Bill Ligon, he never ever cared about how many people were in the building. He cared for who was in the building. And I celebrate that even today. It's a matter of saying this. It's not a matter of how many show up. It's a matter of who's in the building that can help influence the people that do show up. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. It's not about how the pastor can do that. Look, my... My, my best comfort is not sitting up here. I mean, I enjoy getting to share, but my, my best thing is sitting down, down at a, a table or in my office across from me or going somewhere or fishing or hanging out. It's like, hey, how you doing? 
Let's walk this through. That's where I'm so much, I feel so much at ease and feel great that God gives me that opportunity. And this is what Romans 12, 16, it says this. Paul even picks on this, picks up on this. He says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That's one of the biggest struggles we have. You know what happens is, even in the, in, in Jesus's day, People were afraid to be associated with somebody because it made them look bad. It cast something onto them. I've had the privilege of walking through, sitting in, sitting in a courtroom with different ones that are fixing to go to jail for different things. And I was thanking God it wasn't me that time. But, uh, but, but I was sitting here going, I can associate with anybody while everybody else is, and they feel like the world's crashing. And look at them. I'm sitting here going, hey, man, God's got you, man. This is a great place to be. Your life is going to be changed forever. You keep walking this out, man. You keep walking this out. God's got you. We've got to be careful that we don't get so caught up in who we are and what we're doing that we can't have others around us, that we don't want to associate with those that will, quote, make us look bad or bring us down. If that's the case, you've got some work to do in here. God wants to do that. Amen. I, I put it this way. Some people spend more time preparing their clothes for church than they do their heart. It happened. Like you, you spend more time going, oh, yeah, I can't wear that. No, I'm going to, instead of saying, Lord, come on, there's going to be people show up in that service. They're going to need me to show their love, to show your love to them. You want to use me to make a difference. You have a word for somebody. You want to use me to give that to them. You have something special in me. Lord, I need to, I need to, to, to be yielded to you. Lord, use me this morning. How many of you prayed that this morning? Lord, use me this morning. If you haven't prayed now, Lord, use me this morning. Say it right now. Say, Lord, use me this morning. Praise God. Not just today, but every day. But it starts here in the house of the Lord. He goes on to say in verse 5, he's 5 through 7, he goes on to say, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? And to inherit the kingdom of God, the kingdom he promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him who is uh, to whom you belong? And James, now you got to get this because James is writing to the church in Jerusalem and he's writing to all the churches and even us today. And he was talking about favoritism, but he was saying to them, I don't think he was saying that all, all poor people are, are, you know, just, they're, they're included. They don't have to worry. Um, they're categorically good and all rich people are categorically bad. I don't think he was saying that, but he was saying that, hey, you know, sometimes it gets difficult when you have all that you need to look outside of yourself for your need. Like when I'm, I'm content in everything, I can buy everything. Even in America, in America, the poorest person in America is a independently wealthy when you go overseas. I don't know if you've done that yet or not, but you, I, I believe we need to start more mission trips and get them going overseas. So not so you can see how good you have it, but to see what the need is overseas and how you can make a difference. I remember I've been blessed. Uh, I've taken youth all over the world. My first experience was going to Mexico. With Billy Godwin, and I went with the School of Ministry. I first went to Quito, Ecuador, then I went to Mexico, and then I went by myself. And I went, 
I mean, where you go and you get on a bus and you drive for a few hours and then you get in the back of pickup trucks and you drive for a couple more hours and you got everything you need. And then you get there and you go, we got a generator because there ain't no electricity and there ain't no running water. And there's one of those things where you go to the creek and get your stuff. I got to see in those moments. I'll never forget. I got invited into a home and Back then, I, and today still, I still struggle with Espanol. I can, I'm learning Spanish. I'm, I'm still learning it. It's only taken me a short 34 years to get, you know, past the, <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but, but I remember getting invited in this home, this family, because I'd done some drama and what have you. And this mom wanted me to invite him. Hey, you, you blessed my child. You want, he want, so I walk into this house and it's just a mud hut. There's no thing in a roof over it. I, I remember sitting down. On something, I'm not sure what it was, there weren't no lights in there. It was still in the afternoon. And I remember sitting, looking in the corner, and there's this pig sitting in the corner. And I'm like, is that supper? <laughs> like, is the kitchen right around there? We, we fixing to have, we fixing to have chitlins here, y'all. They have that here. I remember sitting there with this mom and them. They were so happy. They were just so ecstatic. And I, I remember sitting there going, wow, these people are really happy in what they have. This, it wasn't a matter of how much they had or how much they did. And I want to say it's not a matter of how much we have. It's a matter of how much has us. It's not a matter of how much we have. It's a matter of how much has, has us. And that's why what, what Jesus, he said in, in Matthew 19, 23 and 24 he's talking about sheep and goats and he's talking about people coming the end shows up and uh he said this jesus said to his disciples truly i tell you it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven again i tell you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of god he was talking to a lawyer that was asking, we're not going to go there this morning, but he was talking to a lawyer who was talking about what we call the, the, the thing of the good Samaritan. He was, he was looking at those things. That's also found in Luke, uh, Luke 10. But in Matthew 19, he's saying that, Hey, this rich young girl said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and this, I love this, this Jesus says, well, you know, the commandments go do them. And he said, okay, well, I've done them all. What you want me to do now? And Jesus said, oh, you've done all the commandments. Oh, you've done, you've done all of them. Man, you have done good. He said, I tell you what, do me a favor. Since you've done them all, why don't you go sell all you have, give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. Go do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. He goes, it says he walked away. He was sad because he had a lot. He says, oh my, whoa. And so that's when Jesus made that statement. He didn't say that money is the problem. A lot of people misquote that the money is the root of all evil. It's not. It's the root of all kinds of evil. Even the, the little bit of money you have or I got, whatever. It doesn't have to take millions to get you in trouble. You can get in trouble with $10 if you ain't careful. You can get in trouble with a dollar. You, it's a matter of not how much you have, but what has you. And so when he tells them that, hey... People that are of low means, they're looking. They need something. But that's where we've got to be careful. Even if you are not a person of, quote, financial wealth or whatever, you've got to be careful. You don't start looking to people as your source. 
In ministry, I've seen it. I've seen people. that You look at them like, oh, yeah, they're going to smooth up. to somebody. Hey, how you doing? I want to tell you, I don't care. I've got best friends that are millionaires, and i got best friends that are hundredaires. <laughs> Maybe a thousandaire, you know. It's like, hey, it does not matter the amount that's in your bank account. It's the treasure that's in your heart. And if we can grasp this and we can walk in this, it will keep us in a place where God will use us. It'll keep us pliable in our hands. I I think of this when we think of favoritism. Think if you could have, I mean, think some people are real big on looking at people and realizing, man, they're starstruck, you know, like, I want to get their autograph. You're like, you know, they think, think if, if, if the, Whatever your favorite person is was sitting, you know, one on your right and one on your left. You know, if you're a reader, you know, the famous author. I don't know many of them because I'm not a big reader, but I read the Bible a lot. And I know that author real well and I love him. He don't just sit here beside me. He sits in me. But um, think of if, if it's an artist or if it was a musician or if it was an athlete. If they got if they came and sat down right next to you right now, would you be the same as you are now? Would you be all like, oh, still. They're sitting, they're sitting right here. Would you not want to do this? Let's, let's see here. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Y'all right here, right here. You'd, you'd be sitting there like, hey, y'all status update. Look here. Woo. All right. Look how good. We many times, it's one of those things like, hey, it's, it's one of those things we do. Also talking about favoritism. Think about if it was somebody you didn't like so much. Think if uh, I had to, these names that came up to me here in the South. Think if you uh, were sitting here in church and Hillary Clinton or Nancy Pelosi came and sat down right beside you. Some of you are like, <laughs> would you still be the same? Like, hey, how you doing, girl? What you doing? Or would you be like, oh, my God, come out. <laughs> Any number of things that could happen. We've got to be careful we don't so favor that we keep in mind and keep in heart that, Lord, I'm yours and your mind and my focus and my attention. Lord, what do you want to do? Lord, it's all about you. He goes on again in verse 8 through 11. He keeps going and he says, if you really keep, James, so he's dealing with all that. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Whoever keeps the whole law, it yet stumbles at one, just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. And I'm going to help some of you little law people in here this morning because we all need that. For he who says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery, uh, but do commit murder... You have become a lawbreaker. Now, I just want to say this. Jesus actually reinstituted the commandments. He actually brought them down to a level that I can grasp and you can grasp. In Matthew chapter 5, he actually said, uh, you have heard it said, you shall not murder. But he said, I say to you, if you say to somebody, you rock, you fool, you idiot, you're guilty of hell. You're, you're, you're in danger of hell. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I don't know about you. I'm guilty, especially when I'm driving a lot of times. That's my nemesis. I'm like, goodness gracious, these people would just speed up. I mean, they are doing 45 miles an hour in a 55 mile speed zone. Don't you know you can go at least 65? No, I'm only kidding. You can, 
they give you 10 miles. Uh, but I'm sitting there going, hey, or whatever it is, or they cut you off, or any number of things in our life, we've got to be careful that we we lose sight of and we want to do everything based on law. Jesus said, if you look at a woman to last after her, you know, I've never committed adultery. I've never done it. And Jesus said, oh, I tell you what, if you even looked at a woman to lust after, you're guilty of adultery. Like, uh-oh. How many men in here can raise their hand? I've never committed adultery. <laughs> Let me put my hand down. <laughs> Don't y'all think I'm, I'm telling you, Jesus made it very clear that it's an attitude of the heart. And that we've got to be careful. And that's why he said, love your neighbor. He actually says the royal law found in Scripture. What's the royal law? It's the one the king gives. What's the one that the king gives? In Matthew chapter 22, 36 through 40, the king Jesus breaks out what the royal law is. He says there's a a teacher of the law. There he is. He's trying to trap him. And he says, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Church, this is our vision. This is what we want. We know we want to, we, we want to know God. We want to find freedom. We want to discover purpose and make a difference. But it starts with loving God and loving people. And the only way we can love God appropriately and adequately is we allow His love to get to us. I don't have the ability to love on my own. I mean, I can love. I mean, there's that phileo, the brotherly, sisterly love, the the mothery kind of love, fatherly love. But this this agape, that unconditional, everybody here knows what that feels like when you've been loved unconditionally. Like you're... Anybody here... Ever been a real knucklehead? I mean, a real jerk in a situation. And somebody loved you anyway, despite yourself. And you went, oh, oh my goodness. That's what that feels like? That you still love me? You're not looking for a reason to get rid of me? You want me? God wants to do That's what Jesus said. He was just quoting Deuteronomy 6, 5 that says... Love the Lord. Every Jewish believer would have known that they recited it many times throughout the day. You shall love the Lord. Our, here in verse four, it's hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. And it goes on. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and with all your strength. And then Leviticus 19 says, do not receive, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your, your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I'm the Lord. God wants us to get to the place where our two greatest, I like my achievement, when I, when I can say I score a touchdown is when I love God and I love people. That the things that God blesses me with, it's only to help demonstrate His love and His goodness to somebody else, not just to me. So look what I got, y'all. A lot of times we'll use our money, we'll use our cars, we'll use our house, we'll use every kind of thing. I love it in this church. I know people, man, they open their house and say, come on, who, who wants to come be a part? Come on, hang out with us. And I celebrate that. That is a powerful, God-given, ordained thing. And then the final thing that we look at, and, and we'll, we're going to stop here. We're only, I told you I can only get through half of James chapter 2 because then we get into the faith and works thing. Boy, that's going to be a fun one. Faith and action, like, it's a good one. But this one, he ends, he ends with this. In, in chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Speak and act 
as though you are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Y'all, I don't know about you, but I've never experienced on this planet in the natural law that gives me freedom, so to speak. Like, so I've shared with y'all and many of you that have rode in a car or a van with me, you know, I, I confess, I need to confess my sins. Although there are no, I do like to go fast. I don't know why. I don't know if I was born with a magnet in my right foot and there's a gas pedal and it just keeps going to it. I don't know why. But I will say this, that um, that speed limit, when I look at it, it's like 70 miles an hour. I'm like, that is not freedom. I do not feel free right now. I feel very constricted right this moment because I could get there a lot quicker, but you are constricting me. You are not letting me go where I want to go and how I want to go and what I want to do. And it could be any number of things. When it says this law that gives freedom, he's talking about the law of love. Because when I love someone, it gives me the freedom to think about them more than I do myself. It gives me the freedom, this law that God gives. It's not that he's saying, hey, the law is not good. Jesus said he, he didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. He came to show its rightful meaning and then give us the power to be able to do it. It's not me trying to do good. It's me. Like everybody knows the Ten Commandments. And if you don't, real quickly, Ten Commandments, God, he, they were there. They're still there. The first five deal with our relationship with God. The second five deal with our relationship with each other. And so these ones this way, I want to make sure I'm getting them right. That I, I'm, I'm doing this and I want to make sure that at, at the same point, there's a reason one, two, three, four, five is the way they are. And then the other, if we do these, these are going to be naturally able to do that. If I try to just do it this way, but never go that way, it's not, it's not good. So because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been, who has not been merciful. This is, this is where he gets in and he says, Hey, this law of freedom, mercy, like when we're going to show up, I don't know if you know it or not, and I don't want to scare you this morning, but there's coming a day when you're going to stand before this pure light, like so bright that we can't even emulate it here on this earth, like the sun. So let me give you all a little, little, little picture here. Anybody here ever tried to stare at the sun a little bit? You look at it like, whoa, wow. Like just look at these lights. I'm like, oh, okay. Y'all just turn purple and blue and all kind of things. Think of it this way. You're going to stand before God himself, this being that is, in, according to Timothy, is pure light. He doesn't operate in anything pure light. Like the sun is just like a little, little dimmer thing to him. Matter of fact, he said, you can't even look at me. If you looked at me, you wouldn't be there no more. Remember Moses <laughs> in, in Exodus. Moses said, I want to see you, God. I hear you and I'm doing all these wonderful, but I want to see who I'm talking to. In After he'd already went and got the children out of Egypt and, and God looked at him and said, Mo, Mo, you don't want to see me because <laughs> if you see me, Mo, you won't be Mo no Mo. It won't happen. You will be gone. You will be like, poof, God. He said, yeah, it ain't going to happen. So God said, look, I'm going to hide you in the cliff. I'll let you go and then you can catch a glimpse. We're going to stand before this incredible light where everything will be exposed. So like everything you've ever thought, Everything you've ever done, even the ones you you thought you kind of covered up pretty good, nobody else knows. Everything I've done that nobody else knows, it's going to be there. And that's that's where where God says, hey, you want to know how I operate? I operate in mercy. Mercy triumphs over 
judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So for us here this morning, as I close, let me, I want to help you. There's going to be two judgments. Though many of you may know this, maybe not. There is going to be the first judgment will be what you did. Did you accept Christ or didn't? Did you, did you, did you place your faith in Christ as your Lord and Savior? Did you say, Lord, you recognize I'm a sinner. You see it. You recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. That's the only way in all of this. And we'll see next week. It's not about how I do that. If, if I show mercy, then God will let me in. It's like, no. If you understand the law of love that Jesus loved us so much that he gave his life and he died for us. So now we get to experience heaven because of what he did for us. And then that because of the mercy he's shown us. I don't have to be fearful of the first judgment. The second judgment then is going to be this. And by the way, that's not going to be like weeping. Like, oh, the first judgment is where the Bible talks about weeping and the gnashing of teeth. I don't know why it's not, you know, like G-N-A. It, it's, that was the first one where it's like they get thrown in outer darkness. The second judgment is going to be where our works are going to be tried through fire. What we did for Christ, was it out of a pure motive or was it out of, look how I look. Look how it made me feel. Look at, it was all about me instead of all about somebody else. And it was about mercy. And see, many times mercy, we love to receive it. But sometimes we're very stingy when it comes to giving it. And if we could grasp this this morning, church, that's why Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, one of the Beatitudes, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Also in Matthew 25, 40, this is where the sheep and the goats were. I'm sorry, I made a wrong reference earlier. Jesus is talking. He's saying, hey, there's going to be some that's going to come and some are going to be placed on his right and some on his left. And he's going to be asking them questions like, when did I do this? You know, when when were you hungry and I fed you? When were you naked and I clothed you? When were you there? When did that happen, Jesus? Jesus says in Matthew 25, 40, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did to me. Church, we've done good. We've done well. (laughs) Excuse me. You English people, I just messed y'all up a little bit. It's all right. We're, we're, We're doing good, but we can do better. I think we can do better. I think that there are more people that need mercy and grace and need people to come alongside them to say, I got this. You you don't have it, but I got you. Let's go. Let's run. Let me walk you through this. The one thing that we struggle with is our time. We we close our eyes many times because it's like, what's it going to cost me? How much time, if I stop for this person, how much time is it going to take? Or how bad are they going to smell? Or what's going to be, what's going to be my thing? How is it going to affect me? Instead of, hey, how is this going to affect them? You know, we have right here in our campus, we have a loaves and fishes ministry where our director here, Dee Dee Gableman, does a tremendous. And many other volunteers. It's open three days a week right now. Nine to twelve, Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. If you know somebody hungry and he look, send them. But how many of you know that's, that, that's the only reason is we don't have more people that could do more. Did he, could we do more if we had more people and more influence, more people to come in? We had, we could do more. 
We could affect more lives just simply right there. But as it stands, it's right here on our campus. We have an academy right here that reaches... There, there are 40... There are people that never, they, they don't know Jesus. They just want their kids in a safe environment where they're taught very well because our administrator, Cindy Zangla, does a great job and y'all can give it up for her. She does a wonderful job. We, we always, they always, they teach well, man. We're at the top of the top. They, they do great at educating and not just doing numbers. It's with a Christian worldview. But we could do more. There are ways you can help. There's a simple financial way. We got it coming up. You can do uh, our House Bill 1133. You could actually do that. Actually, just pay your taxes and bless the school to help more people in our area. Simple as that. Any Georgia tax liability, you could actually help the school. Something simple as that to help people in need. Just something that simple. Just by paying your taxes. This morning... I just want us to think about what it is we're doing. What I mean, we feel our day. I feel my day just like you. What are we doing to make an eternal impact in somebody's life? Because we only get one time around. Contrary to some mystic beliefs that, you know, reincarnation don't happen. We only get one shot. And what we do now, it will echo in eternity. My challenge us this morning is simply to say, would you pray with me about, Lord, what what do you want me to do? How can I be more effective, more winsome with what you've given me? Is it, do I need to support a missionary that's, you know, there are people, I've, I've, I've been in some of the poorest places in India, I've been there twice, that have wrecked my heart, have be called after a meeting to a pastor's wife in this dark room. It's a two-bedroom. They upgraded from Mexico's two-bedroom. One in the front and then this one in the back and there's no lights in there. And this lady, they have a candle and they bring me in and pastor pray, pastor pray. I'm like, what, what? My wife, she's got cancer. And so I, okay, I, I'll pray. I, yeah. And I go in and here's this lady on this bare floor with a little mat writhing in pain on her side and I go and start praying for her and she grabs my hand and sticks it on what I didn't know at the time was a giant tumor that was about to erupt. And I want to tell you, I felt more helpless in my life as a believer at that moment than just about any time. And I said, Lord, I will never, ever be unprepared again. I will never, ever. Lord, you still do miracles and even if you don't, you're still good. And so I was able to minister but I'll honest, it wrecked my life. I was like, wow. Jesus. There are people right here in Brunswick, Georgia that we can make a difference in. But we've got to get over what they look like. We've got to get over what they smell like, good or bad. We've got to get over what they drive or what they don't drive. Where they live or where they don't live. What they wear What they have on, we've got to get over that church. And I believe this morning God's calling us through our blessed brother James, the brother of Jesus and our brother in the faith, to do this. If you would, bow your heads and let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for your incredible faithfulness to us.
I can't help but think of the words of Jesus that you said. You didn't come to be served, but you came to give your life as a ransom so that we could have connection and union with your Father. And this morning, maybe you're here and you're saying, Mark, I've never experienced that kind of love, that kind of grace, that kind of truth you're talking about, that mercy. And I'm the one you're talking about, that I need that. Maybe you came in here and you got burdened down. And as I said at the beginning, God's going to bring some new life to you. Maybe that's you and you need to experience a fresh wind, a fresh understanding, a fresh touch from the Lord. Maybe you've never committed your life to Christ. You've said a prayer, but you never said, Lord, here, I give you my life. Take it as yours. But you'd like to do that this morning. I'm going to invite you, if you would, just to raise your hand where you're at. Nobody's, you're not going to ask you to walk down. That'll be another time when we do baptism where you can go public with your private decision. But if you've never done that, the day would be a great day. To, Lord, I give it all to you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand wherever you are. If you're online listening and watching, I encourage you, this is a great time to say, Lord, I give it all. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Or maybe you're here and and you say, Mark, I haven't thought a lot about other people outside of me and my circle. That I've become complacent or I've become fearful. And instead of trying to reach out and make a difference, I'm trying to shelter and make everything else safe. And I want to say, this is not God. Even, Even in this culture in which we're living, with a virus that's spreading, we can still make a difference in a very powerful way. We can, we can be creative in how we reach out. We can be creative in how we touch people's lives. Maybe you say, I haven't been. Maybe I've, I've, all the blessing God's given me, I've used it and spent it on myself instead of reaching others. I want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up and I'm going to pray with you and pray for you. Anybody in here say, Lord, I'm, I can do more. I want to be better. I want to do more. I want to be more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes. Thank you, Lord. Let's just pray this morning. If you would, just pray with me. If you're listening online, if you pray, say, Father God, I recognize my need for you. And Lord, I ask you, To transform my heart. Lord, I want to live the way you live. I want to say the things you say. I want to pray the things you pray. I want to feel the things that move your heart. Let them move my heart. Lord, I ask you to take my life this morning. I give it to you. Use it for your good and for your glory, Lord. Use me. I surrender all I am and all I have. I surrender it to you. Take it and use it, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I do thank you right now this morning for all of these, your people here and those listening online. Lord, I thank you that you are drawing us to the place, Lord, where we realize it is all about you. That, Lord, you continually, and you continually, you love to bless, you love to give, you love to pour out grace, mercy, even resources, finances. But it's not simply for us to hoard those up. 
but to use that to go and expand your kingdom in the hearts and lives of those who right now are living in darkness, who are living separated from your grace, from your truth, from your love. Lord, use us to make a difference in their lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to leave you with a couple of thoughts that I want you to think about. What are you going to do differently this week? Because I know when you come to church, and it was one of the words, you know, the words that came up with Dan, you know, we can play church. Okay, I heard my message. Woo! Bye, see you next Sunday. See y'all. I want you to begin to pray and think, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want to use me? I know we do have a semester coming up in just, you know, a month or so of small groups, and we're going to begin to see more of that coming up and how we can do that. But I want you to begin to think, God, how do you want to use me to make a difference in somebody else's life? What is it's going to be your plan? Because if you don't begin now to plan something, if you don't begin to now say, you'll leave out and it'll go, oh, what was that thing again? It's like in John where he said, the birds of the air, they came and plucked it right out. I remember feeling I need to be or do it not out of guilt and not out of thing, but just out of love, out of a desire to make a difference in somebody else's life. I want you to begin to think about that. Amen. We're going to be here available. After the service, I'll be here for prayer for anybody that needs that. And others will be here to pray with you and pray for you. But I want you to stand up with me at this time. I want to bless you. Also, if you're listening online and in the house, if you made a commitment on that connection card, if you'd fill that out, we'd love to fill, we'd love to follow up and help you with next steps. We all have those. But I want to bless you this morning. If you would, open your hands and receive from the Lord this morning. If you're online, you can just open and just receive. Father God, you're the one who created the universe. And you commanded blessing to be spoken over your people. That your name might be placed on them. And you in turn would do the blessing. So I say to each one of you here in this house. Or if you're in your house online. I say the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord causes face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift the light of his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. You be blessed.